Thanks for listening to Faith in the Fast Life. I'm Nick Orta. I'm your host. On this show, we look to break down the stereotypes of what the Christian looks like to the world by receiving testimony of action sports athletes and other athletes and just individuals across the world. You can find us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and fastlifeministries.com to give. Hope you enjoy this episode. This episode of Faith in the Fast Life is brought to you by Team Rescue Health Coaching. For more information on how you can sponsor an episode, reach out to Nick at nick at fastlifeministries.com. Thanks again to Team Rescue Health Coaching. Let's get into the episode. Faith in the Fast Life podcast. We are with Mike Sweeney today, uh, professional wakeboarder, uh, coach, mentor to so many other of our podcasters, and it's just an honor to have you here with us today, Mike. Uh, you know, without further ado, we introduce you and just tell us what you need to say, man. Right on. Well, thanks for inviting me and excited to be here. Um, and just praying this morning, I was thinking like, you know, God, what do you want to say? And I feel like one of the, the coolest thing, the coolest stories that I could share just to start off um, that I think is relevant to people in any of the board sports is uh, something the Lord told me a couple years ago. And I was at this camp and this uh, random guy sat at our table um, who had the gift of prophecy. And he was really like one of the first people. It was a, it was a camp that wouldn't even necessarily believe in that. And um, it was probably that one of the first prophets I've ever gotten a chance to, to listen to. And he just started uh, talking to each one of us. And God was giving him these like visions uh, about each, uh, each of us that like he couldn't have known. And we all knew each other and we were just kind of looking at each other like, wow, he's really nailing <laughs> each one of us. And then he also was giving us things uh, that God had already spoken to our heart about the future, but kind of like um, telling us from, uh, from the Lord as well. And then one of the things he gave to me, um, the Lord had already shared with me, but the other one he had, the Lord hadn't ever spoken to me. And it was, he said, you have a dance. And like, I've never been able to dance. And so I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that one. And I just like put that in my pocket. And so I literally, I kind of forgot about it. And, um, eight months later I was talking, um, with a friend that was going through a lot. And in the middle of that, it, the Holy spirit just brought it out of my mouth. Like my dance was wakeboarding and all of a sudden I was like, Whoa, <laughs> because my whole life, I just figured, you know, wakeboarding was something that I was kind of a, either of the flesh or like something that God didn't really care about. He's like, Oh yeah, if you, if it, if you like it, great. And then once the, the Lord shared with me that my dance is wakeboard and I realized in heaven, it's all about like feasts and parties and dancing and music. And so when you see someone that's really gifted with music, it's like, it's one of the greatest, it's a great gift to be able to glorify God and it's only when it gets perverted in the wrong direction, when it gets, when it brings glory to the person that it's a problem. And so the Lord was sharing me, it's the same way with, with all these dances, there's all kinds of dances around the world and board sports are one of them. And they're actually bring glory to God. It's one of the greatest things we can do to like give him glory. We're created to give him glory. And so for me, that was like a total revelation because all of a sudden it wasn't just me doing something that was worthless. Um, but rather, this is something that God actually liked to see, that he enjoyed. It's like the next time I went wakeboarding, I almost had like tears in my eyes because I was like excited to go dance for the king, that like the father would be excited to see me do what I was going to do. And it changed everything for me um, 
and got me really excited again uh, about wakeboarding because I, I always did it to glorify him, but the fact that he's actually like loves it right. um, was just amazing to me. And I think uh, that's kind of encouraging for people in all the sports, like to realize like it's actually like significant and it's a dance um, and, and dance has meaning. And uh, then at one point the Lord even told me as a prophetic dance, I don't know what that totally means yet, but um, wow. yeah. So I think that's, that's a cool revelation. I think a lot of people, um, I don't, I yeah. never realized. It. Well, it gives you a whole different outlook on what you do, right? Like I just had a chance to be up at, at camp Royal for a week this summer. And like, you see all these kids that are, are so gifted at what they're doing. And even to hear you say that and be able to look at that and know that, you know, Cody Flum on the scooter or, you know, any one of these kids on their scooter or their bicycle or their skateboard or their wakeboard to be able to say that, you know, this is my dance. I, I'm with you, man. I can't dance to save my life. I mean, it's just not happening. Like there's not two left feet. There's three left feet. And the third right. one trips me up all the time. So like, I totally, totally get that. Um, I also wasn't very good at dancing on a wakeboard. So, um, but how cool is that for the listeners to be able to say, Hey, like, I mean, that's your dance. Like it's, it's a form of worship at that point. Right. Totally. I mean, to be able to do that honoring to God and, and to please him is pretty, that's profound, man. That's, that's, I guess that's why they call it prophetic. Right. Right. Um, so yeah. So, so tell us more, man. I mean, that's an awesome prophetic word that you heard, but where, um, you know, tell us how you got into all this. Where, where did wakeboarding start for you? Have you always been a believer? Like, tell us, tell us more. Yeah. So I grew up in the church and really like, I think seven years old, I, you know, uh, received Jesus and, and wanted to spend eternity with him and, you know, try to commit my life to him. And, um, then I would say I, you know, continued in the church and like, um, wasn't perfect in my walk, but really, as I got older, I really got into wakeboarding and some things were happening in my life that were kind of shaking my foundations. And I'd say I started to use wakeboarding in a perverted way, as I was kind of telling you before, like how we use something, just the thing itself isn't bad, it's how we use it. And so, you know, insecurities from where I grew up in Santa Cruz, it was like very uh, tribalistic and you know, like you get put down a lot. And so you're like, I'm going to like build myself up so that the older guys and people respect me. And so then I was trying to use wakeboarding as something to be like, Oh, you know, I, I got something that like other people would respect. And, um, I was using it kind of that way and like trying to like use it to fill weaknesses that I had and fear, you know, to, so that others would look at me, um, you know, and, and think highly of me. And so, the more I did that, like I'd get accomplishments, but then each time I did it, it was like more and more empty. And so I was like trying to fill myself with, with wakeboarding rather than with God. And, um, and then a significant event happened when I was 17, this, uh, friend of mine, Mike Copperthorne, who was a pro, um, he, he was like the next big thing under Sean Murray. And, and I remember he got paralyzed one winter and that just like, took out my foundation. I was watching him go through that as an athlete and, and it like caused me to really look at my life and, and examine it. And so for like months I was like, you know, pleading with God to like give him his legs back and also 
um, you know, that like, God, please don't let that ever happen to me. Like, I'd rather you just take me. And in that, um, I also saw how he, his foundation with the Lord. And I really, that like really inspired me. And I started asking God to have what he had, um, that like something so strong that even the worst thing that I could ever imagine happened to me that he like actually got closer to God in that. And so like a couple months went by and, uh, I was at a houseboat trip, uh, with our church and all of a sudden, like the spirit of God one night came down on me and I felt the presence of God, like, like I can't describe what it, what it felt like, but imagine like the best drugs in the world, I guess. And it was like everything I was ever looking for and wakeboarding or everything else. Like I had everything I ever wanted just in that presence. And it wasn't anything like significant. It was like not crazy, amazing worship or like, you know, there was not some emotional thing. It was just like the presence of God. And I, from that moment on, I'm like, God, I'll do anything you want. I, I just want your presence and I, I will follow you anywhere. I'll give up anything. And before that, I was like afraid to follow Christ. I was like, what if he sends me to like Africa or like wants me to give up wakeboard? And like, I didn't, I didn't want to be, at, I wasn't at that point where I could do that. And once I had his presence and his revelation, I was like, I'll, I'll do anything. And so I actually, he asked me like, Hey, do you, are you willing to give up wakeboarding for a couple of months? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm willing. Like you just tell me. And then the first thing he spoke to me that that night was, I don't want you to sleep with women before you get married. And I'm like, that's not the voice of God you want to hear at 17. Um, and so I started I started hearing his voice and like he start, kept leading me from that point on. Um, so it's just amazing. And like he he totally transformed my life. And that all kind of started from that uh, testimony of watching my friend, uh, Mike Coppathorn go through a trial and watching his faith in the Lord. And that brought me to a, like a real relationship with God where it wasn't just, I believed in God, but I actually knew him. Uh, he talked to me and, and, uh, spoke to my heart. And so that was like the number one turning point in my life. And a couple months later, um, when I was like, all right, God, I, I'm ready to, I'll quit. I'll do, I'll go wherever. And then, uh, he actually opened a door in wakeboarding and elevated me like 10 times higher than I deserved, um, gave me like a spot on the coming up article with the wakeboarding magazine. And then he spoke to me and he said, Hey, I'm giving you back wakeboarding. Just don't put it above me again and use it to glorify me. And so that's what I've pretty much been trying to do the best of my ability for the last 20 something years. And really again and again, he's like put me far above where I deserve to be. You know, I've gotten opportunities that people with a lot more talent than I have um, deserve. And like God's given me these unique opportunities and I, I recognize it and and ultimately like want to just do everything I can with wakeboarding to uh, bring people to the best thing they could ever find in life, which is, you know, relationship with God. And um, so I'm super thankful to have had uh, God allow me to stay in something so fun and a community that's amazing like even those that don't know jesus it's such an amazing community and so I'm, i've just been thankful to be a part of it yeah man that's incredible so you kind of to recap a little bit so at seven years old you gave your heart to the lord and you said yeah. you up. but when did you really start wakeboarding how old were you when you started wakeboarding so i was 10 when i started and i saw a wakeboard uh for the first time i think in the like overtons and i was like dad i want one of those 
And we had just gotten a couple of knee boards, like a bunch of people at that time. And my dad's like, no, you got enough toys. And, and so thankfully my older cousin, uh, Kevin got one for his birthday. And then we went to Shasta together. And then, uh, him and my aunt Rondi, uh, taught me to get up, uh, for the first time at Lake Shasta. And as soon as I got up, I was just, it was like one of the funnest things I've ever done. It was like surfing, but in the lake. And so the time I was growing up surfing at that point, it was so gnarly. Like guys were getting beat up like every week and I'd get yelled at, uh, for getting people's ways. And so it's super, just like, it was a really fun sport, but it was not a fun atmosphere. And so all of a sudden I had a surfboard on my own behind the boat. I could carve as long as I wanted and no one's yelling at me. I'm like, this is the best sport ever. That's going to lead to another question in a minute, but, um, actually I'll just ask it now. You said earlier, like grow up in Santa Cruz, like is very a tribally mentality. And like you picture that from every surf movie I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I go back to point break. And so for our listeners that are old enough to know the original point break, um, like it was like, they were always like getting in trouble for poaching waves and like guys were mad and like wanted to fight. Like, is that, is that real? Is that really how that culture is? Oh yeah. Now it's way better. Like now it's super mellow. Like, um, almost like it gets a little dangerous at times cause there's not much regulation. Um, but yeah, it was so bad and it really like, it kind of turned me off to surfing. Like I, I grew up, I, my best friend lived across from the hook at pleasure point and that the hook's probably like in the point where the two, two, like part of the heavy place in Santa Cruz and the West side was pretty bad too. Um, but yeah, so it was just like, you know, you're like this fun kid that's playing soccer and then you go in the water and you're just like watching a whole nother world and like seeing guys like punch each other out in the water, like on the beach. And you're, and then they same guys are yelling at you and you're like, I don't want him to, <laughs> to, yeah. to beat me up. And, and uh, a little bit of like the older brothers, sometimes like Helgi beatings, they called it, which was like par- partially in love. Um, but yeah, it was just, it wasn't like a, it wasn't a, a, uh, healthy environment or an environment I think I wanted to be in. Right. So it definitely was a Christ filled environment at that point. <laughs> not at all. They, they were not led by the spirit. Um, no. so 10 years old, you find wakeboarding, you're, you're basically surfing behind a boat and you just, you fell in love. Um, and so at what point did you progress to the point where you, like you said, you weren't honoring God with that anymore. You were doing it for yourself. Yeah, I'd say, um, you know, just the, the more I got in high school, it was kind of like a teeter-totter. Like sometimes I would do it, you know, for the Lord. And then other times I'd be like, you know, it's like your hand and like God put something in it and you're like, you know, <laughs> like I don't want to let this go. And like I would do that and like then try to like use it for the wrong reasons. So it was like a, an on and off, like imperfect relationship, just like trying to walk with the Lord. And, and um, yeah, and then I got my whole like life goal was to get in the magazine like one time. Like if I got that, I was like, you know, just beyond stoked. Like I, I didn't need anything else. And so that was like the one point when I finally got that, like I achieved my whole entire life goals and then I got it and it was super cool for like a month. And then after that, I had no other goals and nothing else that like would fill me. And I was like, this is scary. Like, what am I to do for the rest of my life? And the other stuff beyond that's cool, but it's not like it really didn't have any sig- significance. And so that was like the point that was really healthy because it really like helped me know that I needed something else in life. And that was really like 
the presence of God, like that was, I was created for, but I was always like trying to use wakeboarding to fill that spot that only Christ is meant to fill. And so, but actually, I think when you're like on your way to achieving a goal, you're like in this illusion, like, oh, when I get this or like, I'm getting partially filled now. And when I finally get, I'm going to be full. But it was like, once I got it, it was like scary because it's like, oh, like this is totally empty, like at the end of it. And I realized that at a young age, I was like 17 or 16. Right. So I love that I capture things as you listen to these testimonies and, and we do this podcast. It's like God works in different little spurts of things. Like for a while there at the beginning of this podcast, he was really pushing a pornography thing. Like every, every person on the podcast had like story of pornography. And lately it has been exactly that validation is, is what has been happening. Almost every podcast recently, it's, it's a validation thing. Like you were looking to be filled by wakeboarding and what wakeboarding could bring to you and making that magazine. Um, we go back to all the way back to Matt Manzari's story originally was kind of the same thing. Like here he was, he had all of these things. He's in the magazine. He has this contract, but he's not filled. He, he stopped walking with Christ. And so I think it's important as we are kind of catching the theme here of maybe what God is doing through the podcast right now. And that's just a reminder to all these listeners that your validation will never come from anybody but God. You cannot be fulfilled by your wife, your children, your best friend, your parents. Um, it's not going to happen. And if you look for validation from other things other than God, you will always be let down. So your validation comes from Christ. That's all there is to it. Right. It, and I have a visual I feel like God gave me to kind of what I was going through and, and relating to what Christ said. So Christ said, I am the living water. Whoever comes to me will never be thirsty. And so if you think about that, some people think of like coming to Christ, like, oh, I'm going to give my life to him one day and like I'm good for eternity. Yep. But what he's saying is he's a well. And he anything with a well and water is like we don't drink water one time. and We're like, oh, I'm going to be good for the rest of my life. Like, yeah. But we are created for intimacy with him, for like that fellowship with him. And so he is the source that our soul looks for. And so like we have our natural flesh, which is our bodies that need food and water. Like God created us for food and water, but he created our soul for him. And so what Satan does is offers us uh, a substitute because Satan can't create. So he's just like, what's God look like? I'm going to create something that's a substitute. And that's what we're in life constantly trying to find these substitutes that because we know there's something missing. And so we're like, oh, this is the water I need. And one of the things I feel like the Lord was showing me was like the false water is like uh, it's like drinking a glass of like uh, uh, brackish water where it's like it's yeah, it's mostly fresh water, but it's got some salt in it. And yeah. if you drink that, it, it, if you're really thirsty, it might taste all right and be like, oh, like it goes down good. And it, for like a 30, 30 minutes, it might feel OK, but then you're, like, you're thirsty again. And then the next time it's like a, you know, it's a full cup. And then I, I, for me, I like in my life, I feel like it's like a fire hose. By the time I'm done at the end, it's like, I'm just drinking out of fire hose because I'm so thirsty, but I don't know where to get the good water. Yep. And Jesus like, I am the living water. And so in him, like everything our soul needs is there in that relationship. And so once that, that's what I felt at 17 years old, I like finally felt that living water and my, like that presence and everything I, my my soul needed. And, and now it's like, not every day do I drink from that well, like I should, 
but then I get a couple days in and I'm like, oh, I'm thirsty. And so I, I'll, uh, I know where the well is and I start connecting with God and that could be through reading, but also for me, a lot is just through relationship. I talk to God a lot. Um, and it's not like I have full conversations, but he will speak back to me and one word from him will just like change my life. Um, and so I just encourage anyone who like feels like they're, they're empty is the, the well is like right next to you, like ready, you know, God's always pursuing you and it's that living water. And so, uh, just ask him, uh, for that relationship. Yeah. I love, I love that you use that analogy because we often talk about it and, uh, my wife and I always laugh, like we can go to bed at night and know that we're dehydrated because like my feet are hot and she's like, I'm too hot. I'm like, okay, we need to drink some water before we go to sleep. But it's the same thing, right? Like, it, you know, when your body's dehydrated, well, start to recognize the fact that you're dehydrated from the word. Like you need to drink from the well to replenish you. And it happens all, all too often, you know, social media and different things. And like you get caught up in different things and all of a sudden you go, wait a minute, like I'm so sucked into the world right now. Put away the social media, unplug and dive into the book, right? And and go from there. So and such good good word coming from you today. So tell us more about your story. So 17 years old, God talks to you. Would you elaborate on that a little bit? Because I know that's something that's always kind of seems like a, a subject that comes up. Is, you know, I, I hear God um, when I truly am still and I truly listen. I hear God, but I don't hear a big, loud, booming voice like the movie saying, Nick, you do this. So you use that a lot and you say that you're listening to God. How does, how does God interact with you? How do you know that he's speaking with you? Right. That's a, a really good question. Uh, so like when I first felt his presence, it wasn't necessarily even a word or anything. He spoke for me to me. It was like, I just, all these things is like, I just had everything I needed. Um, and it was like, he was, he could say a lot of things without even saying anything that first time. And that's when I was just like full surrender where I was before that. It was like, God, you hear some people be like, oh, God, you know, Jesus is my sidekick. And that's probably where I would have been and be like, hey, how could I use God to get what I want and live my best life? And after that, I was like, God, I am your servant. Like, I will do whatever you want. Like, he's my king. And so that was that transformation from like a perverted view of like giving my life to God, which is like only giving him half of my life to whereas I was like, hey, you're my king. I can trust you. Like, I know you have my best interests. Like, I, I know what you've really done for me. Like, I, I will just give you anything. I will follow you anywhere. I will do anything because I think I had spiritual eyes to finally see him in the goodness that he is. And I, I could trust him. And I, I knew that if, if I had that presence that he is giving me at that moment, I could survive anything. I could be in any situation. And I don't get that presence every day, uh, but I will get his, I will tangibly get his presence from time to time. Um, and so, um, after that, it was like, I would hear these like thoughts in my mind, like we all have thoughts. And so many of our thoughts are our own. Uh, we also have demonic thoughts. The enemy is always, uh, the accuser of the brethren. He's going to, uh, say things to you. And here's the one thing I tell people when you hear thoughts, uh, about you listen. And like, if you were to write them down, like your own thoughts, you kind of say in first person. But many of the enemy's thoughts, he's not even clever enough to rewrite them. He just speaks them out as as accusing. And so it'll be like you, um, you know, he uses words like you rather than like I. 
and he'll, he'll accuse you to yourself. And so just recognize those aren't your thoughts. Everybody's going to have them and don't let them sit anywhere. You know, Martin Luther um, said, like, if a bird lands on your shoulder, uh, it's not your fault. But if you let it sit there, you don't knock it off and it starts crapping on you, then it, it is your fault. Like the stuff that's on your shoulder is it's because you didn't knock the bird, bird off. So, you know, what I like to do if it's the enemy, you know, really hitting me with emotion or his words is use that as an alarm bell to like look to God and start start connecting with God. Be like, oh, like, <laughs> and then if you do that, then it's a it's counterproductive for the enemy because every time he attacks you, it's pushing you towards God. And so when it comes to God's voice, he'll speak a lot of different ways. Sometimes in pictures, like, um, you know, I'll see like a picture and, and then I can't get kind of a thoughts, thoughts about the picture. Um, or sometimes it's just like a thought, like words, you know, like in your head, but I know it's not really how I, my words normally sound. Um, and like, even, uh, so much as like something I encourage people to ask God, um, is, you know, just ask him something simple, like, do you love me? And then see what, what he says. And like, we know the Bible says he loves us, but like when he says it, like, it makes me cry, you know? And so uh, sometimes I would just ask him that just cause I wanted to hear him say it cause it would, it would do something in me that built my spirit up that edified me. And then, uh, if, if that's not enough, I I'd say, Hey, ask God, what is it about me that makes you smile? And, what, and then listen, what's he say? What's he say? Does he give you a memory or a picture? Um, and beginning in, in those places, because uh, God first wants to edify and build us up. Like eventually you'll ask him like, hey, God, is there any areas in my life that I'm I that you want to sanctify? And he'll tell you like, yeah, you know, these things you're doing, like I, I, I want to pull you out of that because you're in bondage. Like, and so he'll he will like a good dad bring us out of it out of the bad areas of our life. But I think many people are worried to talk to God because they think the first thing out of his mouth is going to be, you've done X, Y, and Z wrong. And like, you know, and, and you're going to get punished versus, you know, every time when I've talked to God, you know, the first thing he does is to build you up and edify you. And then when he wants to pull you out of bad stuff, it's for your own good, you know, not, not to make you feel even worse. It's to, it's to pull you out of bondage. Uh, much like we see him talk to all those in the the New Testament, where they were in bondage, they were they were like uh, they were had injuries or illnesses, and then he would heal them, and then he would say, "Hey, don't go back into sin because next time it could be worse." And so you know he was it was for their own good. He was, but he didn't first say, "Hey, it's because you've been sinning that you've got this," or your parents have been sinning. He was like, "Hey, I'm gonna like love you first, and then I'm gonna warn you." but I'm not going to force you. And so that's my relationship with the Lord really is like 95% of the time he's edifies me and builds me up. And the other times that he, he corrects me, it's, it's to, to bring, to mature me and to bring me out of bondage, to bring me into freedom. Yeah, that's good. So we, we just did a podcast with Kevin Johnson, who uh, was a former freestyle motocrosser and actually won X games years ago. And he was talking about when he found Team Faith, which is a, you know, Brian O'Rourke also did the podcast with us. And he has a, a Team Faith is this big team that does arena cross and super cross and all these different things. And he was talking about stumbling out of a bar drunk and Team Faith found him and literally nursed him back and, and never once 
blasted him or criticized him or said anything bad. They just loved on him and checked in on him and over the next few weeks. And that was his ultimate turn. And I love that you just, we can kind of relate that story for the listeners um, that heard Kevin's story to what you just said there and exactly what Jesus did. It's not about braided. That's a cultural thing, right? Like that's being out in the ocean with those surfers that are making you feel like you're not good enough to be there. And the enemies uses that to stick it in your head to beat you up as if you're not good enough to be there. But the reality is, is Jesus is just going to love you and he's going to love you for you and wants to see the best of you and remind you not to go back to that old version of you, but not going to beat you up or make you feel ashamed. You know, guilt and shame don't come from God it comes from the enemy. So, man, I love everything. I'm, I'm learning so much today. Like I love it. I hear, I hear you speaking. I'm like, man, I get why Trevor and all these guys are like, this is the guy right here. This is him. He's got the knowledge. I love it. So, so another good thing to ask the Lord is this too. Ask him, hey, what lies am I believing? You know, because like you're saying, the accuser, the guilt, shame, and condemnation, a lot of those are lies. And if we believe those rather than believe God, you know, we're not walking how how we're created to walk. And so imagine if Jesus believed the enemy versus his father, you know, and so ask ask the Holy Spirit, like, hey, is there any lies that I'm believing? And watch like watch what comes to your mind. And this is a I think a pretty easy one for people. Uh, to engage with God. Then after that, write the lie down because it's, it probably is on repeat in your head and then go ask the Holy spirit, what's the truth. And then watch like he, even if you don't know the Bible well, but you've read like different things once, watch what he brings to your mind. He'll bring scripture to your mind. Um, That's what he does to me a lot. Like he'll bring different scripture to speak his truth. Like ask the Lord, what's the truth to that lie? And then write that down. And then when that lie comes back again, you know, make a choice in your heart at that moment. Hey, like I, I rebuke that lie and I, I, I want to stand on the truth that what God says about me. And then when it comes back, um, and that lie comes back to attack you, then remember like, Hey, that's actually a lie. And it's important for you to believe the father versus believing the lie. Just like the Israelites were promised the promised land, but they believed the giants instead of believing the father. So they never got to receive the gift that God had promised of the promised land. So it's important to really believe the truth. Um, and so when it, it's not an emotional thing, you may not feel it, uh, but it's important to stand on those truths. And so when that lie comes back, then again, use it as a alarm bell. Hey, father, I thank you that this is what you say about me, um, that I may feel this way, but I thank you that this is what you say. And this is what you've said to me. And so when he does speak to you, use those as like, reminders and hold on to those things that he's spoken to you in your, in your quiet time. Yeah. And that's good stuff. So I was just commenting and just talking about how much knowledge is in this. Like I, I love, it's one of the things I love about doing this is every story is so different and just the, the amount of knowledge that you're sharing with everybody and the listeners, like, I just hope that everybody's I'm literally taking notes on my phone as we go along with this. So this has been, this is so great. So tell us as we get back to your story and you coming through wakeboarding and, and at 17 years old, you have that interaction, right? You had the exchange and you were told not to, to basically hold on to your virginity or not to have uh, sex with women until marriage, um, kind of a blow to the ego right there. But um, were you able to walk in that? 
Yeah. So like my plan before that was like my, I know like my dad's a really good man. He loves my mom and I know he partied in college and then I didn't like all the rules that they were trying to push me into and, and it was for my own good, but I was really like, there was a devil that was like on my shoulder very loud. And I was just like, I'll follow your rules until I get out of your house. And then I'm just going to go send it. And, um, Fortunately, the Lord I had protected me up to that point. And I, I say I ran into my parents' prayers constantly. Like, even if I wanted to go sin, like, I would run into their prayers. And I couldn't. i just get tired and, and give up. And so he protected me to that point. And then truly, like, I was like, God, I can't do that. I just can't. And I, but I was like, if you help me, I'll, I will. Like, I'll, I'll partner with you. And that's what God so much is asked when he asks things of us. He's not, they're impossible to fulfill, but he'll, if we partner with him, he'll make it possible. And so that's really the success that I had was that I partnered with God. And, um, and so like, uh, realistically, like I had a relationship like that started a week after that. I'd never been in a relationship on the way home from that trip, started a relationship. And, uh, in that relationship, we weren't completely pure. Like we didn't have sex, but we weren't pure. And God really like there were some major things that God shook me up and and uh, and really changed my perspective long term. And so after that relationship, um, I I really did actually walk that out um, with several other relationships and then with my wife. And like I didn't have I had one friend at that time that was making that decision. So I just felt like, uh, you know, I was crazy and the world knew I was crazy. Um, but then if you look at the woman that God brought me, I'm not so crazy anymore. Cause he brought me a, a woman that I was her first kiss, like the most beautiful woman I've ever seen, like way hotter than I, I wouldn't have been able to like talk to a girl that hot and, uh, and super like way smarter than me. And like, she's a perfect compliment to my, our businesses. Like she's a perfect partner, like a thousand times better than I deserved or would have like, if I asked God for a woman, like the, what I deserved, like I wouldn't even have been nearly thinking a woman like that exists. And so in hindsight, like it was the best thing that I ever did in listening to him, because if I didn't listen to him and like, and I, like I said, I wasn't perfect, but every time I slipped, I would go back to him and just be like, Lord, I'm sorry. I want to. I want to walk how you asked me to walk. And I really, uh, I didn't let my sin go uh, too far. And so again, yeah, like from the backside of that uh, commitment, you know, like, and looking at my wife, it's like, yeah, that was the, the easiest decision I ever made from the backside. But from the front end, that was the hardest decision I ever made. And there were some times where like some really gorgeous women would come into a situation and basically like it was an open door to be like, Hey, are you going to, you know, are you going to, to, you know, take pleasure in front of you right now? Or are you going to wait for God's promise? And I mean, I like people thought I was crazy, you know, a couple of times for not taking advantage of, you know, what the enemy was putting out in front of me. Yeah. That temptation, right. And, uh, the, the yeah. discipline and obedience to God to be able to overcome it, man, that's, uh, that alone is a, a testament, right? That's the and the other cool testament to that too. I have a bunch of friends that have have failed initially in those areas, and like in talking to me and like coming out of bad relationships, you know, I've shared my test testimony with them, and they've actually made commitments after you know um, failing in those areas, and 
God is totally redeemed and blessed. And like, that's the thing about the Lord is like, just like our sin, it gets, as soon as we come to Lord and repent, like he just wipes it away. And they've again, walked in amazing holy ways before they got married that like would have been impossible for them. And then God's brought them women that you're like, wow, like they, you know, they married up, like, you know, it's only by God's grace, like over and over. Like if you look at my friends and like the people that I've encouraged with this and then look at their wives, you'd be like, all right, sign me up for that program. <laughs> Scientifically it's working. I've, I've lived it myself. I, uh, it's a, it's another story for another day, but, uh, my wife and I, you know, I, I, my story, I think God sent my wife to save my life. I was in the midst of cocaine addiction and, and the reality is, is he brought two broken people together and now we're, we're doing work for his kingdom. Um, but there was actually a point we were living in sin. We actually uh, were blessed with a child um, who was a complete miracle because I was fixed and wasn't going to be able to have kids. And before we were married, so we're living in sin, God sends Mason. Um, this sounds completely backwards, but this is how good God is, right? Um, after that, so she's now pregnant. We're supposed to be married, and we put a decided to wait on the marriage because she would have been literally eight months pregnant in a wedding dress. So we're going to wait. Well, what God did in that next year and a half of waiting was exactly what we needed. We actually went and met with her father uh, who was a minister in Texas. Amazing man. I had never met him before. She didn't really have a relationship with him. She made amends with him. He came into our life, poured into me, gave me all these incredible books that I read, we took a vow of celibacy. We asked for our virginity back. Actually, did a, a prayer together, and then was we we were celibate until after the marriage, and we were able to consummate our marriage that night as a covenant, like God intended it. And it's incredible. And I, I love that you just shared this because Ben sits here in the studio with me and runs things. You, you can't see him on camera, but him and I just had a conversation after the last podcast about this, about how because of what God has done in our lives, I know that he brought this woman to me. She was made especially for me and he intended it. And I had some lumps I had to go through before, but she was, we were meant to be together. It was part of his plan. So sorry for the little off spin there, but I just saw that. I'm like, man, like I'm, I'm living it. Like I know it, like she's way too good for me, but God is so great. So. And, and an encouraging thing, too, is, you know, like there might be people walking in major sin right now, but God is God. He could do anything with anything. He's so creative. My son can take like garbage and put it together. And you're like, wow, that's like a piece of art. You know, that's just my son. And so, you know, God is so good that, it's, that the moment we turn to him, he can take any bit of our trash and make it and redeem it and use it for his kingdom. So like, the enemy is always going, you've done too much. You know, you've, you've really, you've gone farther than you can. You're not redeemable, blah, blah, blah. Like I guarantee you, if you surrender to God and, and make him Lord, there's nothing in your life that he can't turn around and actually use for good. And yeah. so some of those things he never, like some of the evil we do, he never, he never desires it. He doesn't want it. But once we turn to him, like there's nothing that he can't and won't use. Yeah. No, that's incredible. So, Let's get back to your story. So you, you walked through that. God brought you this special woman. Um, how about like your professional career? Like how much did you do in, in wakeboarding? Where, where did that go? 
So like, like I said, when God finally, three months later after I gave my life to him, he, Robin Roberts, Jason Buffalo, um, and um, Steve uh, and Linda from ProFlight, there's a few people that basically like all of a sudden the doors opened and allowed me to keep going. And I started getting Bill McCaffrey Alliance. Like I got all this favor that I didn't deserve. And they started putting me in the magazines more. I was like, okay, this is cool. Darren Shapiro invited me to live with him. And he was like a huge help to me um, on so many levels, like with real estate, which is really how God's allowed me to stay into wakeboarding. That was Darren Shapiro. Um, and then he ran a camp and then I, I did the pro tour for a year and I was like, that's not my thing. And, uh, but I was like, God gave me this idea. Like, well, why don't you, uh, I was out at Shasta just helping people for free. And I had this thought that was from God. I was like, why don't you just, uh, do lessons during the summer, pay for your gas and you could wakeboard all summer instead of sitting at a tour stop. And I was going to go to college. And so I was like, that sounds perfect. So I did that. And I, so that was where West Coast camps came from. And that grew way faster than I anticipated. God just like blessed the heck out of it. And so that, that, uh, when I graduated college allowed me to keep wakeboarding. Um, and then, um, talk about divine coincidences, like Bill McCaffrey introduces me to this guy, Garrett Cortez, who's like a beginning photographer. I don't know if he had a shot published yet. And he's like, Hey, this guy's getting started. I was like, yeah, come out to my house, but like, come hang with us, live with us, whatever. Like you can, you know, we'll shoot together. And we just became really good friends. And like the, the staff there, we all like really, everybody just like, it was like a sandlot time. And uh, so, you know, Garrett was in college and then, you know, sure enough, he graduates college and then gets the editor position. And so now one of my friends, has a position as editor <laughs> and then I seem to end up in the magazines again um, because of a divine friendship. You know, it's right. only could have been through God. So like I couldn't have planned these things if I wanted to, I was just kind of uh, doing whatever God put in front of me and God kept like blessing me more than I could imagine. Yeah. That's awesome. So, and obviously you've just been walking with the Lord the whole time. Like we we've, I've said it many times, but every that's been on the show pretty much in the wake industry has mentioned you as a mentor and you being just like a guide for them. Um, never vocal in your camp necessarily, but they, I, I remember, I can't remember who, if it was Trevor or if it was uh, Jarrett that said it, but just like you would just be in your Bible, just in the middle of everybody, just like literally down on the ground, reading the Bible with everybody around and you're just in the word. So such an inspiration. We've seen all this progression, all these things and, Man, here you are, and can, so what's next for you? How do how where what what do you see on the horizon? So what's next kind of ties into what happened like four years ago, like what God where God has me now, and um, so again, I was married, walking with the Lord, and I had some areas that weren't sanctified in my life, like super selfish. I'd be you know out shooting film with my. Uh, my friends and my wife's got like two or three kids and you know, I left her for like a, a month one time to film. And, and so there were some areas that like, I, I had uh, put up walls again, you know, and I, I wasn't really sensitive to the Lord in. And so I wasn't honoring to my wife, um, you know, in our marriage, we were married for a while and put a lot on her. And, um, and so, and then, you know, we had, our relationship was really, you know, not good. Like, 
if if she wasn't a Christian at, at one point, you know, she would have just walked away from me, not because of infidelity or anything, just we were having a really hard marriage. And, um, you know, I remember like one fight we got in, like I like raised my voice and I was, afterwards I was like, who, who have I become? And, um, and so that was the last area of my life, like four years ago that the Lord really, uh, it was really painful to go through, but he, he sanctified and my marriage now is amazing. And it's, it's my wife's the most valuable person that he's put in my life. She was there praying for me and protecting me even when I didn't know I needed it. And, um, and so we have a, a much better relationship now. It's amazing. And then my kids too, just that much better relationship with my kids. Um, but what happened was that started that humility to, to really be in right relationships. I, I left my wife again to go on a surf trip to the Mentawise. It's like the best surf waves in the world, barrels all over the place. And I was, we're going to have another kid. And so it's like, if I don't do it now, you know, I'm never going to get to, and she gave me permission because she wanted to make me happy. And so I went, left her for two weeks right after we won dog days, uh, dog days won like the video of the year. So it's like, one video of the year with dog days and Trevor uh, and the whole team, and then left a week later for the Mentawise. go to the Mentawise, And I didn't know it, but like right before we got on the boat, they took us to this massage place and there, the lady, my masseuse ended up being a witch. I didn't know it till six months later when the Lord revealed it. she put a curse on me that I wouldn't even be here alive today if God didn't save me from it. And so um, I basically this is, came back. This is in the Mintwise? Yes. Yeah. At the port where we, you leave out of, uh, to go surfing, there is a, like a seedy massage place. And, um, I didn't do anything with the masseuse, but she, she placed a curse on me and threw like, you know, a really random, I basically sinned in my heart afterwards and through that allowed the curse to land the Bible says a curse without a cause cannot land. And so, you know, just through a, a demonic loophole, the curse landed on me. We almost died multiple times. It's like a Jonah type trip. And the captain has been around for like one of the most experienced captains of the mentorized. He's never gone through what we've gone through. Like literally I should have, I, I could have easily died out there. There was a guy God sent on that trip that was a brand new Christian. He was praying the whole time as like an intercessor, I didn't know I needed. And then I got home and things got really weird. And so like, I guess what I, what I would say, most people would describe it as like a mental illness of what I was going through, but I knew it was just demonic because I never had any of that before. I was clear minded. I wasn't doing drugs. And then all of a sudden, like I'm seeing things and things are messing with me. And I've got like a cloak of fear and depression and I lost my mind. Like I couldn't work. Um, I'd go to work and I couldn't even think clearly to like tell we do construction and, and real estate. I couldn't even tell the guys really what to do. I'd just be like, sit there and like take garbage to the dump and back. Like it was, it was really, uh, like humbling time. And it was, it was so, I was, I went from like scary, fearless, like dangerous, fearless to probably the most fearful person you would be around. And like my I would be broken, crying, um, and I would sleep on my parents' floor with my whole family to try to get away from the 
the demons that would attack me at night. And so that went on for like six months. And I knew if God didn't deliver me, I'd be dead. And in the middle of that, I, I heard a story about a similar person that I knew that went to South America, had the same thing happen. He came back and they ended up, he was a Christian, but they put him into like a mental uh, hospital and then they put him on some drugs and that seemed to help him and he was doing good. And then when he was out, he stopped doing his drugs and then committed suicide. And when I heard that story, I knew that that's where I would be if God didn't show up. And so I knew God had the answer, but I didn't know what it was. And um, so in that six months, God started showing me all kinds of things. I, I actually got my knee was hurt. And then my knee got miraculously healed at a prayer service in like two minutes, uh, like jack knee for like months. And all of a sudden, like in a small little prayer service, my knee got instantly healed. So my eyes were getting open in many ways I'd never seen before. Um, I started, we started seeing other people get healed and then actually prayed for this guy crazy. It would be like a movie of how God did it. But this, the first, this guy I prayed for to receive Christ, like demons came out of him. And, um, that was pretty like eye opening. Um, and then I, we had another two guys that same thing, like one, one guy we were praying for healing and then like something came out of him. And then another guy we were praying for, um, and things were coming out of him and God was kind of showing us how to help, help people do deliverance, deliver them of demons. And then the Holy spirit about six months into this whole thing was like, all right, Mike, those things that have been attacking you at night, he's like, they have a legal right to, and, uh, you had some doors open in your life and I want to, I want to close them. And so I was like, okay, but I didn't know anybody that could help me. And I'd seen one guy on YouTube and like Sacramento that dealt with this stuff. And, and so like two weeks later, I was praying for one of these guys again, that, uh, um, we were trying to help him and doing deliverance of, of demons. And that night I came home and it was like the worst attack I ever had. Um, basically my wife, I was like, asked my wife is one in the morning. I was seeing like apocalyptic visions. And when I try to close my eyes and, and so I asked my wife to pray for me and she, she did just like a general prayer. And I felt like something poking on my forehead and on my chest from the inside. I'm like, from what I'd seen before, that was like the Holy Spirit and angels just setting fire to the demonic. And I knew the Holy Spirit was ready to set me free. And so I was like, told my wife, I was like, you know how we've been dealing with this demonic stuff the past few months, like for other people, like this is what we've learned in five minutes. Can you pray with me? And so basically we prayed that night um, and the Holy Spirit would like bring something to mind and, and where the enemy, how the enemy was attacking me. And then he would tell me how to deal with it, ask for forgiveness or forgive somebody or like sever soul ties, um, like with an ex-girlfriend. And, and when I do that, it was like this cotton ball of air would move up to my head and he'd show me what that thing was. And then I'd, I'd pray. And he, then that thing would leave like through my ear or my nose or my eyes. It was like, it was like a spiritual massage almost. It was very peaceful, but it was like one by one. Like I had like 12 things kind of that would come up and leave. And then after those, all those little things, then my wife saw this, um, and we don't come from a background of with any grid for any of this. Um, and she saw like a vision of like a witch. And so she's like, she didn't want to tell me what she was seeing. And as soon as she said that 
the Holy Spirit was like, that's the witch from Indonesia, from the massage parlor. That's where all this came from. And so he's like, you got to tell her everything. And uh, I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like I told her 95% of everything um, right when I got home. And then uh, I told my small group everything. So I was like, oh, I've confessed to, you know, to brothers. And, and um, so basically he's like, well, if you don't tell her everything, you're not getting free. And I'm like, well, I'll die. Like, I'm going to die if I don't get free of this thing. And he's like, what's your choice? And so I, I told her and, you know, basically it was just a sinning in my heart, um, you know, uh, after in the shower, like wasn't anything I did with anybody else, but that sin in my heart was somebody she knew. And so I had to tell her who that person was and, and, uh, she forgave me. Um, and then that thing was like, it was like your muscles, my muscles were all twitching in my midsection. Like it was like, (laughs) this thing was not moving like the other ones. And so they, we prayed and asked God to send an angel and like within like a minute or two, finally it got like just straight ripped out of my midsection. And, um, the next day it felt like I got hit by like a truck, uh, in my midsection. It was very crazy experience. And from that moment on all my, all that stuff that was happening to me is gone. Like I've been like three and a half years. And so I tell that it's a humbling story to tell. I tell it because it's a, another perspective to mental illness. And, you know, if drugs, I think, are like a Band-Aid. Um, and I think the Holy Spirit and God have have a answer and a solution. Um, and he did for me. And so I, I literally don't deal with any of that anymore. Um, and it, I, I have so much sympathy for people that have major depression and anxiety because you can't just will it away you can't just like do x y and z like if anyone could i could have and i could not do anything to get rid of that stuff except when god delivered me all of it left and so it's a real message of hope and i know when i was in that situation i was like if god doesn't show up i can't live for the rest of my life like this this is hopeless and so i know that's why people commit suicide is because they get to a point where like i can't do this forever and they get hopeless and so I, I hope that my story is a is give someone hope because there is a solution, and um, and Jesus is is a solution. His Holy Spirit uh, has all the answers, and many times we just don't ask Him. Um, and so for me, it was like we, I just ask Him, like, "Hey, what's what's got me in bondage?" And He would just bring it to my mind, and how do I get free of this? And He'd show me. Um, and so that's, that's my hope. I think I really want to share this, this message because I think in our, in the season that we're in, there's so much suicide happening right now and there's so much depression and anxiety. Um, and really Christ is the answer to all of that. Like the gospel, original gospel, according to Christ was go cast out demons, go heal the sick, go raise the dead, proclaim the good news to the the world. And I think there's a lot of people that are dealing with a lot of demonic stuff right now that there is an answer to it. And Christians, uh, we carry the gospel and that hope that you don't have to live the rest of your life with these things and that Christ wants to actually set you free of these things. Um, so, so that's the last four years. I've been able to help so many people that have been in bondage. And some of it's from 
like sexual abuse when they were younger uh, or physical abuse, all these things that the devil has um, attacked Christians or non-Christians with. Um, and it's a, there's a spiritual side of it. And so the Lord's like linked me up with, um, person after person to be able to help them. And so when he set me free, I was like, I'll do I know before I do whatever you want but now like really I'll do whatever you want. And so like pretty much it's been my joy to like go offer hope to people, you know, one at a time. And, and so he's been, a, uh, really using that situation and it's been used for so much good people that have dealt with that stuff a lot longer than me um i've been able to to help out and i'm excited to hopefully continue to be able to help out um people in those areas or wherever else he he has me um so yeah dude that's that's awesome so i i I relate to so much of this my wife has struggled with some of that I wouldn't necessarily say demons, but maybe we need to talk to you further on that and talk about it. She has some stuff that she's really been healing from lately. With uh, she, she can have some bad anxiety at times and and different things. And um, she goes through. Uh, I think God's opening her eyes to different ways she can actually help others. Um, she'll go through like little bouts of it, like like a three day sickness of it, if you will. And then so it's super cool. So I'm gonna talk to you more when we're not on the podcast about that. But um. Dude, we're kind of, we're in, our, I, I did, I mean, we've been going for an hour already and I'm like, man, like that's crazy. Like time has just flown by. So as we kind of close here, I always ask, and you've had so many one things already today, but what's one thing, one simple thing that you want to leave the listeners with today? It's a tough one. Huh? <laughs> like, there's so, so many one things yeah, that pop here, up. Here's, here's the one thing is. I know a lot of people are trying to find God or trying to find the way and, and looking at a lot of different things that work. Um, you know, Jesus claimed to be the way. And also you can't find him without a revelation. You can't think, think your way into it. And so I would just encourage people, don't worry about thinking your way into a relationship with God or like trying to like uh, examine everything. Cause even if you have all the proof um, you can't come to him without a revelation. And so this is my challenge to anybody. Um, if you truly want to find God, he, he want, he's been pursuing you your whole life. And I, I believe you need a revelation. And so this is the scariest prayer you could ever pray, but I guarantee God will reveal himself if you pray it. And so, uh, this, the prophet that I met, this is, this was his prayer. He was in prison, um, going to serve life for, uh, selling guns, uh, in prison. And, um, his roommate was a Christian, had an open Bible and he, the Bible just pissed him off. And he was like, you know, screaming at God when he saw this open Bible, but he prayed this prayer. He said, God, if you're real, get me out of here and I'll serve you for the rest of my life. And sure enough, like crazy story, like never happened before in the military prison. And like the, it was supernatural, like how he got out of there. And then he was off, uh, he was friends with like hell's angels and he was off ministering to them like the next week. Um, and so my, my prayer for anybody that hasn't found God yet is just pray, Hey God, reveal yourself to me and I'll serve you for the rest of my life. Like you don't have to, uh, mentally find him. Like it's a spiritual thing. So just ask him to reveal, reveal himself to you and let him do that. Um, because I know he will. So, um, and again, there's, you could take everything else away from me in life and it's, I'm not going to be worried about it because you can never take 
the spirit of God away from somebody. And I have one last thing to add uh, for Christians. Um, out of anything the devil attacks us from, it's he's trying to convince us out of what God says we are. And so think about Jesus came and he did ministry for three years in power. He dies, he gets resurrected. And then uh, he's like, I'm going to leave. And Satan's just got to be like, sweet. Like the savior is leaving the earth. I'm, I can go after these people again. And Jesus says, it's actually better that I leave because I'm going to send my Holy spirit and he's going to live inside of you. And so now that same Holy spirit that rested in Jesus for that three years of ministry is living inside of every Christian. And so the devil doesn't want you to know who actually lives inside of you. Uh, and so can you imagine if, if everyone as a believer recognized that truly the spirit of God now lives inside of them, just like it did with Christ that enabled his last three years of ministry, the devil would be freaking out if everybody knew what was actually inside of them, that the temple that housed God is now actually us. And so as a Christian, uh, if that's you and you're like, man, I just don't even get it. Just ask God, like, God, like I want to have that revelation and walk in that. Um, and so I, I just want to encourage believers. Uh, and I, I know like I don't even fully uh, understand what's in me um, and I'm just learning, but um, that's my encouragement to believers really to understand what God's put inside of us and that each person is specifically unique and important. I think so many times we look to other people and we're like that person's awesome. Like they've got all these things going and like in look at how God made the world. Everything is dependent upon each other. There's not one thing that's not, critically important for everything to exist and so that like god created every single person with value and that that each we all need each other like as, as much as everyone needs it needs us and so in our culture we elevate like one person we're like that guy's like the superhero and like we put him in a god position that's not correct at all it's like each person is so valuable and so i think most people don't recognize how valuable they truly are and so ask God about that. Like ask him what makes me valuable. Let him speak that to you. And then know that like everybody else really is dependent on, on what God put in you. Yep. Body of Christ, right? We, we are the church. We are, we, we all function together. We have to do it together. That's why relationship is so important, but relationship with God and also relationship with each other and creating that church to do his work. So incredible stuff today, man. This has been so awesome. Um, real quick for the listeners, uh, how can they find you? Social medias, stuff like that? <laughs> no? I don't think I exist. Uh, I know I'm on social media, but I don't, I'm not like uh, super active. But I do, uh, I'm on uh, Facebook and Instagram. But oh. if I don't respond ever, it's not intentional. It's, so, it's just, you're yeah, too, you're too Mike, busy. Yeah, Mike Sweeney somewhere. Um, yeah. And, and, and uh, man, it's just been great. So, guys, obviously... Uh, Look up Mike Sweeney, follow him. He may not be on there very often, but man, this guy is just pouring into everybody. It's been awesome. Um, and fastlifeministries.com, of course, all of our social media channels. Look for his episode to be coming out with so many other great episodes coming up. Um, and Mike, we just appreciate you so much for being with us today, man. It's been awesome. Thanks for having me, Nick. Appreciate it. Yep. God bless you, brother. We'll, uh, we'll catch up soon. All right. God bless. Later, brother. <laughs>